0: We are the Campfire campfire Teens from Lakeland, Florida. Florida, and you're listening to WMNF Tampa.
1: Find the shadows cast by rainbows, there you will meet the sage. Feeding rabbits bits of lettuce, or cleaning out the cage. got to find
2: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Sunday Forum right here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Smith II, the voice of the Tampa Bay area, along with the members of the 4th Estate crew. What's up, crew? What's up? How y'all doing? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she, like, she, she crew member now, right? Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Got, yeah. We, yeah, jump, we to, yeah. We got to jump you in. What's she talking got, like? no, She's big know. time. <laughs> jump, yeah. Dude, I jump, jumped y'all in.
3: Jump. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. That's I that's Kim Jackson talking trash over there at WMNL. How you doing, folks? Everybody good? We're working on it. it, you working on it? We're yeah, doing we're doing working it? on it. All right, all
4: right,
2: all right, all right. Well, Billy, what's up, man?
5: Same old, same old. Yeah. <laughs> just fighting for real freedom in Florida. Yes, liberation, <laughs> liberation. Because you know, Florida is where freedom now comes to die. Yeah. More freedom. More freedom. <laughs> our mm-hmm. activists our mm-hmm. inside activists knows about that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but the,
4: the, I mean, <laughs> the student movement is alive and it's growing and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, even for those people who are not students anymore. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> not a student graduated. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> but not but no, but no, for real. Um a lot of stuff happened this past week. Um we had uh <sighs> I know uh, yours truly was did the uh Distinguished Lecture Series for Biodiversity over at <laughs> Stetson Law School. Congratulations. I, I feel smart <laughs> <laughs> I feel er, yeah. smarter just a little bit and uh, it was good because we had people who were uh, I want first of all I want to thank the staff the, the faculty and staff of Stetson University Law School for inviting me to come out for this year's uh, to be the lecturer for this year's uh, series and, and I want to thank my coalition members from Sierra and uh, the different coalition members for the Tampa Bay Disaster Resiliency Initiative that were there uh, to to support and just be there. I introduced them and uh, to show off a little bit okay uh, to see what I, what our support is like and uh, I want to thank the director of the Florida uh, the Florida chapter of the uh, Sierra Club uh, Emily Garner for being there and um, my my wife and, and my son were there and gosh, so many everybody was there. Hey. Um, Andre Hill, Andre Hill Jr. from the Urban Progress Alliance, who's put up the um, the Unity Garden in West Tampa. This very very, very good uh, project that has been supported by the CRA West Tampa CRA, and uh, they are coming along very well. And he was there to do some filming and to support as well. And it, just, it was just it was just really really great. Really great. I, I want to thank again the faculty and staff of Stetson, um, led by Jackie Lopez and uh, Paul Boudreaux and uh, Catherine Pratt. I want to thank them all for for making certain that we had a, a great time there. And the student body, student body, they asked some excellent questions. Excellent questions. Um, one of the one of the things that that we discussed in the lecture was the fact that we have several types of preemptions that have changed the way that Florida operates. Now, we've had this discussion on this show many, many times. And, uh, and we're going to have some of that discussion today as we talk about uh, legislative preemptions and, and uh, some bills that are coming down the pipeline that, that actually take away power from the people mm-hmm. and take away the power from local government entities. Uh, mm-hmm. County and city to be able to determine those things that need that they need to be in charge of. Uh, one of those things, in particular, is the issue of energy, right? Mm-hmm. The use of fossil fuels. If you know that uh, that fossil fuels are damaging to the environment and damaging to public health, then they need to be able. And they meaning the county and city need to be able to say, listen, no, this has to stop. Uh, you have to find some alternative means. We're going to work together to make that happen, but they can't do that now because the legislative the legislature has passed uh, uh, laws that are uh, preemptive and now are, have blocked the ability of the county and the city to be able to make the determination of what kind of uh, medium of energy can be used to provide energy. So right now we have coal and gas, right? Uh, coal combustion plants, and, and uh, gas plants. Well, that's problematic. That's problematic. And it's really problematic when you're talking about climate change because you saw, I think everybody saw what happened with this past hurricane. It was a category of four and five, right? They hit Naples mm-hmm. just south of Tampa, okay? When that thing hit just south of Tampa, understand, it was supposed to hit Tampa, And we were not ready. And it was the one thing that the city had to admit that was very uncomfortable for them is to admit to the fact that they were not ready for uh, any type of disaster. And they certainly weren't ready for a Category 5. So what does that mean? What that means is there will be along that toxic, what I call a toxic coastline, that means that you have a, a major storm, a major storm, with a wave surge that's about 40 feet high that will hit your coastline damaging just about every not just about but every single um, factory that's there from uh, Tico to the petroleum fields right? petroleum uh, uh, areas and what, does, what will that do to uh, areas like Progress Village what will mm-hmm. that do to uh, Palm River uh Clear Mill City what will it do to ebor City right East ebor especially because uh, right there East ebor and Palm uh Palmacia, not Palmacea uh, Palmacea too but um uh East Palmetto Palmetto area you're talking about some major damage The seawall in Palmetto is already disintegrated mm-hmm. so we are talking about a major major problem right but with that problem comes a major issue with regard to the type of contamination that will mm-hmm. that will we'll be spreading. Uh, yeah, my god. They have coal ash ponds that have been that have not been remediated. And so again in that same discussion I just I, I pointed that out and pointed out the two things that happened during the Obama administration and the Trump administration where in 2015 the coal ash rule was put in place under the Obama administration with the EPA stating that there were limitations that were going to be put on these uh, on the storage of coal ash, and that there was a timeline that was certain that this was going to stop, and the landfills were going to be closed, uh, and that was just the beginning. But then when the Trump administration, number 45, I owe you $10, don't I? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, when, that so, man. Right, right, right. right, right you right, know who. The Cheeto man. He, so, when, so when number three's administration came in, that meant that we have we have a major problem, right? Because he rolled back all of that all that uh those 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 amendments. All those amendments. And he gave uh, waivers where well, there shouldn't have been waivers that should that if given at all should have been made by uh by qualified engineers. No, didn't happen. And then he allowed uh 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 new amendments and new rules to be made where Coal ash ponds could be made without lining.
3: Mm-mm-mm. Well, you know what? There's something when you said about um, we were not prepared for a Category Five. Mm-hmm. This were you just talking about the city, or are you talking about the whole coastline? Because it hit in um, what is it? What city that was that it hit? Um,
5: Around Venice.
3: Uh, it was Venice and a little further Fort Myers and everything. Fort Myers, yeah. But w- the bigger thing is the people who live on those coastlines and on those islands and everything. They voted for the people who roll back all of these things. Mm -hmm. They voted for the people who roll back on the coal and environmental contamination issues. They voted for the people who roll back the regulation of these seawalls. And we who are all inland are now going to pay for the prices because they put the Satan back in government. And he is rolling back all of this stuff. It's like they're in the like anything with progress... So in a part of me, yeah, I feel bad that their houses got torn up and everything. But look at who you put into um, into office and the rules that they are making. you thinking you're hurting us, but now you're hurting yourself because when that hurricane hit, the Satan was so quiet and nice. He was sitting there, whatever the federal government wants to do. Oh, now and you, just, the government wants and to you just talked about this man like literally 24 hours before that hurricane mm-hmm. hit. You have dragged him, talking about this... Florida is the state where woke is going to die and your whole rhetoric and not realizing they have capitalized our word, which means racism. It has nothing to do with LGBT. It has nothing to do about women's rights. It has nothing to do about anybody. Woke was created to point out racism. They have taken our word and tried to use it against us Mm. and group us all in with people who don't even support us. Now, you have these people who are sitting in office rolling back all of this But then you want us to be out here helping you and surrendering you. But we kind of have to help because black and brown communities got hit really hard. Mm
1: -hmm. So
3: now we have to step in and clean up a fight that you didn't want done. So it's like, how do we um, mitigate this when you have people who are voting for folks that are against their own (laughs) well-being? And now we're trying to figure out how we can get these people out so that we can actually get some real stuff done because when you look at it like I was just listening about in Miami this um, black activist environmentalist she said they work so hard to push because most people don't know Miami was found by African black folks Caribbean black folks Mm -hmm. and some white people and then they start letting in the Cubans and everybody else start coming in but they pushed the black and brown people inland and took took all that coastline. That Mm -hmm. coastline is Mm -hmm. dipping underwater. And it's so, and so, and they don't have much time
2: before it really starts eroding. They took Liberty City back, mm-hmm. and they, didn't, they didn't keep the Haitians out of Liberty City, and Jamaicans out of Liberty City now, and gentrified that as much as they possibly could, and and it's just, I it, mean, climate, which is now called climate gentrification, right, um, or climate colonization, you know what I mean? And, and, it's, and
3: now it's coming back here, because you're looking at, because here we are in Belma Heights, Jackson Heights. I was you know they're gentrifying those neighborhoods and that's why they're trying to push this East Tampa recreational complex which the now about to be former councilman goods is pushing is because he they're trying to gentrify that neighborhood and it's a constant thing. But my thing is, you're trying to clean. You want to clean it up because now you want white folks to move in. But why weren't you trying to clean it up while the black people are still living there and, and Hispanic, brown, and black people? Right.
4: That reminds me of a conversation that we had on here on the Sunday Forum about a couple months ago, where this my personal opinion here. This quote unquote prison reformer came in, and he was advocating for better working conditions of the prisons, um, which the main concern should first and foremost be living conditions. And he was talking about how the majority of inmates in the um, prison system were coming from Broward County. And you talk about the gentrification and the pushing out of uh, Caribbeans and black folks in Miami. Guess where they're going? They're going to prison. They're going to be in a highly overpopulated um, prison where they're not getting the materials that they need, where they're not getting the support that they need. And they're having their rights stripped away from time to time.
2: Yeah, listen, there's so many dimensions to what's going on. Um, it, it reminds me uh, of, of a couple of things. Number one, let me, let me just say this uh, before we progress with this. Uh, today's show is dedicated to a very dear friend of mine. Uh, his name is Ramon Agostini. Ramon was a local businessman uh, who was very, very active in our community with regard to um, businesses and helping small businesses get exposure uh, he was a small businessman himself and he was up and coming and he suddenly passed away and we are heartbroken uh, because of it but we're celebrating his life we want to celebrate his life by talking about those things that we know uh, he would love to talk about these are things that he talked about all the time and so uh, if you knew Ramon, if you knew Ramon at all, please call in. Give us an anecdote. Uh, tell us how much you loved him right here on the Sunday form, 813-239-9663, 813-239-9663. We're going to play some of, his, um, some of his favorite songs as well uh, on the show today throughout the, the course of the show. But, uh, I did want to point that out that these are the types of discussions that we would have all the time, all the time, and sometimes they get so heated, oh, they get heated but I mean not not to the point that we weren't you know that we were arguing or anything like that. It's just you know that's what we would do, right uh, but great heart, great heart, uh very substantive young man, and uh hey man, Ramon, we love you, brother, we love you, all right. So, having said that, uh, let me let me go back to something real quick, and that is, uh, we have folks here in studio, in studio, that are trying to turn Tampa Bay into, uh, I guess, the new Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> I think that's what's, I think it's that's what's happening. It's a safer place,
6: that's
2: all. I think, I think that's <laughs> what it is. It, by, by, by by talking yep. about some real major issues and make, make Tampa Bay a safe place, that's, that's a good way to put it, Fred. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And so uh, we have my man, Freddie Barton. Freddie, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you feeling? Feeling good. Getting better by the day. All right, all right, all right. And then we have uh, Brother Perez. How's How are you? Going? It's good, it's good. Hanging in there. Good, good, good. Derek Perez, Derek Perez. Yes, sir. Listen, um, two beige brothers, <laughs> you know. Uh, we, we love to have me. in here, you know. <laughs> Brightens up the place, life is up the place. No, y'all know I'm joking. Everybody know I'm joking around. But, uh, no, this is this is great uh, to know that, that we're working on this type of thing, that you guys worked on this, and that you've brought this into fruition. We have a film that is about to um, grace the silver screen. Correct. Tell us about it.
6: Yeah, so uh, I'll kick it off and then turn it to Derek. Uh, So Safe and Sound Hillsboro, most people know we're the Violence Prevention Collaborative of Hillsboro County. Uh, It's a partnership between all of our major elected officials and their offices as well as the community. Uh, More importantly, the community. And we over the last two years have really been tackling a major issue that sometimes I won't say it gets swept under the rug, but it gets overlooked uh, because of the people that that are affected by it, and that's gun violence. Uh, More and more we're seeing our young people get access to firearms and those who otherwise should not have access get access. And we're here to have a discussion after the short film is premiered uh, Monday, March 20th at 7 p.m. at the Tampa Theater, and we're having a discussion through this short film about the consequences of making some of these decisions. It's not about the gun. It's not about the bullet. It's not about open carry. It's about the decisions that these young people are making and the reasons that they're making these decisions that causes loss of life. Um, We know that in in 2022, we had nearly double the amount of shootings, non-fatal and fatal, throughout Tampa and Hillsborough County than we had in all of 2021. So we thought it very important to uh, create a project where it would stimulate thinking and stimulate conversation. And uh, I met Derek a few years ago as part of our work with with Safe and Sound. And he has a great mind, a great eye, and he helped make this project uh, get off the ground. So uh, we have a film entitled Blink, uh, because life happens just like that. You know, in the blink of an eye, decisions can be made that affect you your family, your community for the rest of your
0: life. And with that, I'll kick it over to Derek. Dang, how do I top that? That was great. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you know, my biggest thing, is, when it came to this project, you know, I come from foster care and a lot of my siblings went down different paths. And I went down and, um, you know, finding out like one, you know, your sibling has a gun charge, you know, just pulled out a gun. Mm-hmm. didn't The gun didn't necessarily work, but pulled out a gun. You got 10 years, you know, you're not mm-hmm. going to see him for 10 years. That's a lot. You know what I mean? That, that's pretty hard. So my biggest thing is when I, when we were approached with this concept, we're all about it. You know, We want to tackle issues that um, people, first and foremost, who are in these positions of power to make these decisions, don't really understand the reality of. They've never lived it. Uh, and we want to bring that lived experience perspective into how we produce these projects. And um, this was a great project to definitely dive in and do that with because... Uh, not only are we we tackling, um, you know, the decision made by the individual and how it affects their life, but how it affects everybody else. You know what I mean. The victims, the their family. You know what I mean. Victims are not, unfortunately, the only victims in the situation. It's your family. You know, everyone has everyone grieves. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we put this project together. We have an amazing team, uh, amazing talent, and we're able to pull something. Pretty cool off, and we're so excited to be able to premiere this and share this with the Tampa Bay community.
2: You know, um, my dad used to tell me um, a bullet doesn't have any name, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they used to. My parents used to tell me all the time, you know, wasn't anything good out there in the streets after twelve o'clock. You know, um, which prompted me as a as a child. I say a child, but as as a teenager. Um, who was able to drive and, and go out and do things like that to not do mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that my friends were doing, right? Um, and and I think that a lot of what we what we're experiencing, what we're seeing happen, is a matter of influence, right? Right? Uh, I've trained a lot of. Fred, you know this. I've trained a lot of people who were locked up, mm-hmm. young and old, all ages. And when you hear the explanations or the discussion regarding that uh, their experiences, if you just stop for a moment and listen to the narratives of the people who were involved in some sort of violence um, or or got locked up behind possession mm-hmm. of a firearm or anything like that, um, you you hear how really sorry they were. That, that they ever got involved in any way with with uh, with firearms or violence in, of any kind, and they don't want anything to do with it again, right. right? And they're trying to find a way, not just to get back into society, but to make amends mm-hmm. for some uh, uh, in some way for what it was that they went through, or what it was that try, try to stop somebody else from going through the same thing that they went through, which I can always. I can always uh, appreciate with regard to those the people that came through our doors with training and stuff like that. I can always appreciate that. Um, but as I, as I sat there and listened to some of the stories about how they got these weapons, I'm sitting there, and, and it's not just as simple, folks, as, well, you know, I'd broken somebody's house and stole it, or I stole it out of somebody's mm-hmm. car. Oh, no, 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 no. I had, I had one set of students tell me, that they were taking these things off of trains, uh-huh. yeah. trains. Yep. So that means that there's somebody, somebody, bringing this stuff into the community, literally through uh-huh. our our rail lines, and it's planned. Like this, there's and and they're made aware of it somehow. They get a hold of it, and and then there's a whole thing. Nobody, you'd be surprised how many people at the. Well, no, you may be surprised with it, but I was shocked uh-huh. at. What they told me, number one. But number two, the advanced manner in which they got the weapons it was like, wait a minute, what? That's just like something off of Miami Vice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's so, like you know, you got, like what? What do you mean? Yeah. We um. So with Safe and Sound,
6: we actually start when we started tackling the gun violence issue, we created a program called the Reporting Center, and it serves as an alternative to confinement for juvenile male offenders. Um, over the last six months, we added a component, and it's our youth gun offender program. So all these kids who are getting arrested uh, with firearm charges, whether they're where they're getting caught, where they're bringing them on a the school campus, or they're making a threat on the school campus, or they uh, steal something out of a car, grand theft auto with a firearm, we're getting those kids once they go through the court process. And just like you said, Walter, we're sitting them down in front of two um, different populations of people: one, family members of victims, people who've gotten lost. Um, And having them, so having a, and when I say our kids, I don't mean 18, 19 years old. We have kids 12 and 13 who Mm -hmm. are getting their hands on Mm -hmm. firearms. Mm -hmm. And sitting that young man in front of a mother who lost their child and having her to ask a question as, why did you want to kill my child? Well, I didn't kill your child. I didn't shoot. Yeah, but you could have because my child's lost to gun violence. And then the second population is we have a group called the uh, Corrections Transition Program, and these are all lifers, individuals who are now on parole. They're out from prison, now, but they're on parole for the rest of their lives because of gun charges, whether it was murder, manslaughter, or, or otherwise. And they then sit in front of these young individuals and say, look, I know that you feel you've got all the power in the world, and you do. You're 15, you're 16, you're 17, you're young, you're beautiful, you're bright. Uh, but you, if you may make a decision that the next time someone sees you, you're 55, 60 years old, these men who are part of this uh, program with us, out of uh, nine individuals, three of them went in under the age of 18 in prison. And you're mm-hmm. talking about 28 to 34 to 35 years of their lives gone. Mm-hmm. So when we when we start talking in another cool part of this project is if you look at Derek and I. So it's, it's a multi-generational project, too. Mm-hmm. We're still looking in 2023, telling our young black and brown boys, man, you don't have to do this kind of stuff. Right. So. Derek is taking his perspective and his generation. I'm looking at it because I'm a father to two young black boys. Mm -hmm. Right, they're beige too, but you know, beige boys. You know, we and and we're looking at this. And I'm I have one. My oldest is 19. He's going to the military shortly. And my youngest son, he's 16. And I'm still having a conversation with them about what to do if they get pulled over with the police. Right. I'm having a conversation about guns and gun violence and access to guns. And these kids, just like you said, Walter, they're telling us how they're getting their hands on these guns. And, yeah, there, there are some structure, structural and strategic things that are happening. But then we also have to confront the stupid stuff, right? Stop the stupid. We see that 80% of these guns that are on the street that these kids are getting their hands on are coming from cars. They are. 80% of these guns. When I say cars, I don't mean break a window. I don't mean break open the glove box. I mean open, unlock cars. Yeah. And, and kids get them... And they sell them to one another. Mm-hmm. And so they're, make, they're creating a business on this. And we just have to address not the gun, not the bullet, not open carry, not the policy, but the decisions. And then we also look at the dynamic at home and the responsibility of parents, the responsibility of teachers, of preachers, of pastors. Everyone has a responsibility because if we don't take this in our own hands, it's all of us that are affected. Right. If a shooting know. happens in West Tampa, we feel it in East Tampa. We feel it in South County. We feel it all over because a loss of life happened.
3: I have a question. When you were saying about how these kids are getting a hold of these guns, do they are any of them getting charged as arms dealers? Because when you see talking about gun running and all mm. of that like that, those are a whole another set of charges. Yeah. And so that you know, it's bad. You know, that's like twenty years, mm-hmm. thirty years of your life is gone. And then the fact that they're selling to minors, I know that this will be. Uh, the charges would be more extreme, but when are you are they getting charged with that, or are they just charged with having the gun and either it not shooting or just having it? So it's it's all over the place,
6: right? So we the majority of the kids that we're working with are those mm-hmm. that are they are a minor in possession of a firearm. They there's a charge called firing a missile into a conveyance, which means they actually shot at a building um, or tried to shoot at someone, or then making a threat. Um, we haven't seen any kids that are getting charged with trafficking or sale of a, a firearm, but we are getting the information from the kids saying that, yeah, I'm you know I bought this gun off of Instagram, you know from somebody else or I got it. <laughs> and the 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 reality is these kids, right now, I mean their generation and the generation after him, they are so smart. they're so smart and they're they're smart for all the wrong reasons, right? Um, we have come right for all the wrong reasons. We, we have conversations with them and they tell me, Mr. Freddie, I know that you can go buy a gun if you want to, right? I said, Yeah. He said, And you can go in there. They'll probably tell you wait a couple of hours or wait a couple of days and you get the firearm. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Freddie, in the time that it takes you to get that, I've already gotten it because I stole somebody's credit card and I was able to make a purchase from somebody else and nobody asked me a question because the sale went through.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: That's scary for me to hear, right? As a parent and as a person that does this work. So, that's why it's important to see this. By the way, um, if people are interested in the film, you want to get a snippet of it, if you go to our website, safeandsoundhillsborough.org, you can click on <laughs> Blink the film, Blink the short film, and you can see the trailer. And it's not, you know, one of these docu-series. It's not one of these, you know, policy-driven pieces. It's, it's a Im- docu-series? No, it's not a docu-series. No, man. A, <laughs> you know, it, it's a really impactful message. We didn't want a short PSA. We really wanted to tell the story of a community being affected, and how it cannot be affected. And in the end, what does it take for these kids not to do this stuff? Again, it's not about guns. It's about gun violence, and we got to do what we can to stop it. So,
0: Yeah, honestly, I I will be just very straightforward. I mean, there is an attack on young people, and (laughs) that goes a very long way, and it goes very big. And to be very honest, yes, young people are very smart, but they don't process things quick enough. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that come with this decision. And to be honest with you, a lot of that processing comes after the fact. Right. right. But I think there's also a process of there's a lack of trust right. right?
3: because it's an attack on trust, because I know I have conversations with my nieces and nephews because I have no children and I talk with their friends. And I try to have to tone it down because you don't want to be so aggressive with it, Mm -hmm. but you have to have a conversation. Like, I have to remind my nieces and nephews, I said, has there ever been a time that I told you something and I not do it? Mm -hmm. Right. So when I tell you something, you should be able to trust me. And you need to use that when it comes with other people, Mm -hmm. not saying people will be 100%. Sometimes their intentions don't—you have to look at their intentions because some people tell you something and they're not being mean. They're just— they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you have a lot of knowledge, but you don't have the wisdom in which to imply that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And when I would have those conversations with them, I said, my job isn't to tell you what to do. It's to teach you how to think. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to be with you 24-7. And you mm-hmm. never know, I may this might be the last time you speak to me. Mm-hmm. But I need you to understand is take a moment and pause. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. and the, you know, you're saying this attack on young people, young people have to understand that it's attack on just trust in general because we've been there before you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's nothing, the Bible says, there's nothing new done under the sun.
7: Right.
3: It just is a different variation. It always morphs into something else. And you may not, you may think we're old-fashioned the way we think, but it's a beautiful, my grandma used to always say, it's a beautiful thing to grow old. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will not grow old. Right. And you have to understand when we're telling you something, it's not to try to ruin your fun or ruin your thing. Because I remember when I was young, I used to think I was invincible. Mm-hmm. But I know by the grace of God, I had grandparents and parents who, put, who yanked that chain a little harder on me. Mm-hmm. And so you have to realize a lot of these kids, I'm not saying this, a lot of them don't like to listen. Because I used to sub, and I would tell them stuff, and I'd be like, did your parent tell you this? And they'd be like, well, yeah. I said, so you don't want to listen to your parent because they're your parent, but you'll listen to someone else. But you have to realize when you are in that situation, none of us are there. It's you and whoever that issue is with. And somehow there's a lack of teaching kids the importance of no Mm -hmm. and understanding how to deal emotionally. And we need to teach our sons it's okay to cry it's okay to express yourself, because if you don't, that anger builds up, and you're doing silly things like they don't have a responsibility of what life is. Like, we have those video games. Mm -hmm. People, kids are becoming desensitized to violence. Mm -hmm. So do you think that could be an issue with them, and why they feel so comfortable with picking up a gun or anything like that?
6: Yeah, it's the, the, you know, uh, I can't remember, remember what's the phrase, but we have the whole syndrome where you can respawn a life right so we play these video games and we see that okay your character dies in 30 seconds they come right back to life and so kids are constantly living in that fantasy and and it's not an issue about against the video games but we have to also let these kids know like you said there's a transfer there's a transfer of wisdom that is not being done anymore right um we have kids raising kids right now and and some parents it's not that they're telling the kids the wrong thing they just don't know themselves we don't have the big mamas anymore. We don't have the, the neighborhood village concept where um, I, I think I was probably, I don't know about Derek, but I think my generation is the last one that actually did get checked by neighbors in the street and got pulled up by the collar, you know, if we were doing something wrong. They were
2: the last ones.
6: Yeah, yeah, I think. They were the last <laughs> ones, bro. They, they call DCF when you're not. Right, right. You and so, you know, and so my dad's retired military. He's he been 24 years in the Air Force, and he he had firearms in the house. I didn't know my dad had a gun until I was a grown man, right? I never knew that because he made it and he made it a point to make sure that we weren't exposed to that until we were adults, but we were always safe. We didn't have to worry about that. My kids, I, like I said, I have two young black boys in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm what I consider a cool dad, right? I hang out with my boys. I ride motorcycles. I, well, I, I was until I got in the accident. Um, Don't you get on that motorcycle? Yeah, well, I am. No, right, no, You got to get back up got to get right? over the fear. <laughs> so, but, you know, as cool as I think that I am, I can't understand half the stuff that comes out of their mouth, right? They have a whole <laughs> different language, whole different culture. And so there is a need for adults to listen to them so that we can communicate, uh-huh. but also, like you said, impress upon them that there are things that you're going to go through that i have already been there. Right? right. And when we look at these kids making these decisions, look, life is not a video game. You are not going to respawn. You are not going to come back. There is no there's no magical, there's no magical medical kit that you're going to run over and then <sighs> rehabilitate yourself. So understand that life is not about your choices. It's about the consequences of those choices. And when something happens like gun violence in the community, it affects everyone. If I hear a shooting and I, and I hear a, a two-year-old, a four-year-old was killed. Oh, right? I mean, that if you aren't shook by that, something's wrong with you. Right. And so we got to let these kids know. We're taking these kids to trauma centers. We're taking them to funeral homes. We're taking them to the morgue. We're taking them, putting them in front of the family members of victims, so that they can understand how people in the community have been affected. Do, to understand. What, what the at the funeral home, what they have to do to protect not the individual who lost their life, but to protect the family from seeing that individual a certain way. And that's powerful. That's scary, right, mm-hmm. to think about those things. So that's why we had to put this project together. It's going to be cool. We want people—it's a free event. Um, it's over at the Tampa Theater, 7 p.m., March 20th. So a week from tomorrow, we want people to come out. And after the film, so it's a little short of 20 minutes— we're gonna have a community discussion. So, we have law enforcement yeah. coming out, we've got schools coming out, we've got teachers coming out, Our some of our electives are coming out. But most importantly, we need our parents and our kids. If you have a teenager, we want you to come. If you're an adult and you act like a teenager, we want you to come. <laughs> you know, we want everybody right. to be a part of this conversation because right. everybody can be a part of the solution.
2: Well, definitely, man. It, you know, it, one of the things that, uh, and um, one of the things I, I remember having a... Uh, I, was, I was posting this... This I was having a discussion I just by chance I was scrolling through my email and someone sent me a, a video
1: mm-hmm.
2: of this brother who was in New York at mm-hmm. a funeral home and I forget his name. Something Muhammad. So I said it was Muhammad. I remember that. And he... And I posted it on my page, on my mm-hmm. social media page. And he mm-hmm. actually goes through Talking about what happens when you die, right? Uh-huh. And who's on his slab uh-huh. when he's embalming? You know, there, there's no, like you said, ain't no coming back from that, right? It is what it is at that point. But but he gave a very detailed message that was that was so vivid. But but it's like it's necessary, right? It's necessary to try to get through to those kids that are out there doing this stuff, man. I mean, there's no coming back from that. And I've lost so many friends, so many students, so many people that I know personally behind silly stuff. Mm -hmm. Silly stuff. I mean, okay, some of us in this room would not remember this, but some of us will. Uh, Club Manila. Yes. 1998, (laughs) I believe it was. Uh, around about that time, a FAMU student mm. mm-hmm. was shot in the face.
7: Mm-hmm. A female,
2: shot in the face because there was there's an alter a verbal altercation in the in the parking lot. Y'all remember that one? Mm-hmm. Shot in the face. The guy she said the guy pulled a gun. She said I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He said No, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Bam, bam, right in the face. Okay, that's that's what it was. That's a closed casket. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Family can't even see you now. Right. right. And for what? For what? Right. So so this guy took her life because she said something he like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, didn't like. Or didn't give her a
3: phone number. There have been women that have been shot because the they get yeah. a phone number. Yeah. The and,
2: whole night. We got out.
6: Uh, so out of the corrections transition program, one of the guys, he spent, I think, 34 years in prison. And he shot and killed an individual. And it was all over a girl. It was all over a woman.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: And he said, you know what? The worst part about it? I spent 34 years in prison. I haven't talked to that woman. She mm-hmm. never came to visit me. And I, could, I, I can honestly say I don't even know where she is right now. So for somebody who, for the majority of my life, has not been a part of my life, I took another person's life and I took away my own. 34 years in prison for somebody who couldn't, didn't even care enough about me to even visit me one time. Man, so crazy. you got to think about the people that you got around you, and the people that's really in your corner.
3: That happened to a friend of mine in high school. I remember I was walking past some girlfriends of mine, and they were making this call. Yeah, he said he'll kill um, a dude if I try to talk somebody. And I don't know why my ear just zeroed into this mm-hmm. conversation. And I was like, and they were both saying, yeah, my man said the same thing. And it was like a badge of honor. And then I remember, like a month later, there was a party going, and I wanted to go. And my mom was like, no, I just have a bad feeling. You shouldn't go. And I was like, well, I never go anywhere, so why? And she's like, and I almost got her to say (laughs) yeah. And she was just like, no, it's just a good feeling. I believe Mm -hmm. this is God telling me to keep you home. And then the next morning, my phone was ringing off the hook. That very girl that was saying her boy, um, she had broken up with him and moved on to the next guy. That guy showed up with a double-barrel shotgun and took that little boy out right then and there. And we were like 16 or, yeah, I think we were like 16. And I just remember, like, all those lives that changed in that instant. Mm -hmm. The boy, I mean, innocent kid, Mm. dead. Her, his family hating her. They wouldn't even let her come to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And then that young boy, he just turned himself in because it was over for him. Yeah. Ain't no use in running. You don't have the means to run forever. So his life is gone. Her family was, you know, affected. And to know that you're the reason that it happened. Mm-hmm. And then his, the the guy who died, her, his family was like mortally hating her. Yeah. It's your fault. And, and all those people and then the people who witnessed that mm-hmm.
6: it's and you know we talk about parents and their responsibility but Derek has a unique perspective because again you know he comes from the foster care system and so we have a lot of our kids who don't have that that guidance and that you know that parental figure in the life and I mean that plays a lot into a person you're talking about I mean kids are growing up in trauma right because they're in the foster care system and that's a whole nother discussion, another topic, but Derek, you know, you, you see it every day, too.
0: Right. I also, I work in foster care now, and I, I work with the guardian Line of office, so I tend to try to be that lifeline for some of our kids that have nobody, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's hard. It's really hard because, you know, they're, they've are they been let down. They've constantly seen, you know, disappointment their entire mm-hmm. life, and, and the thing I also learn is these kids, it's also the music. It's the music, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For kids that don't have that guidance, that that direction, like mm-hmm. you were explaining with your mm-hmm. your nieces and nephews, you're their lifeline. You're giving them that, that dialogue that they need to hear. Some of these kids don't have that. And for the kids that don't have that, they're listening to that music. And I always tell people, if you want to learn this generation, listen to the music mm-hmm. and learn to read between the lines. I mean, you'll learn. Kids are depressed. Mm-hmm. Kids are sad. There is some serious mental health issues Definite generational curses that we're tackling here. But, uh,
3: but it's all it boils back to it boils, yeah, back to it boils back to what are you yeah. letting what are you watching, what are you mm-hmm. listening to, right. And what is the majority influence in your life? Mm-hmm. And so it's just sad because we we I know we get into those conversations about music, you know, like love songs from when we were growing up, love songs when your grandparents were growing up and love songs now. And all of a sudden I was like, Y'all don't have love songs. Right. <laughs> right. I mean yeah. you know, I mean I was like R and B cursing in R&B. I'm like, they weren't yeah. cursing in R&B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, R&B is now Angry B, you know? <laughs> so oh, I'm like, man. y'all don't stand... And I feel bad, because I'm like, you really don't stand a chance. And, you know, but the one thing I would do is when they get in my car, just put gospel music on. Right, So just right. to give them some hope, you mm. know. How about you just and put on some,
2: some conscious rap? Yeah, you know, <laughs> But you away. know, I, but I just Come had to on. get something, right. I had,
3: but I had to give them something with hope in it, right. you know, like, and then, you know, we switched to conscious rap, but I need something, you need another foundation. You need yeah. something under yeah. there. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't, you know, but the thing is, though, when we talk about that music, I remember Lil Wayne saying, everybody's talking about me um, saying this about women, but he said the biggest supporters of my music Mm. are women. So we need to, as a, as people who are purchasing, because even Cardi B, yeah, because Cardi B even made the comment, she said, the songs that everybody go crazy are the ones like WAP and all Mm -hmm. of those. When I say something about women in power, she said it ain't like when Eve did Love is Bond or Queen Latifah did UNITY, we Mm -hmm. don't get that same response Mm -hmm. like you guys gave that response. Our generation only responds to you know what yeah. we say because right. we got to yeah because we have to even look at the TV shows they have love and hip hop and bad girls and all that stuff like why that. They, they all look same I as know as <laughs> and then yeah it's like I can't it's ever like, tell
2: the women apart. It's all like <laughs>
3: violence. I said but we had. um, no pun intended, the Cosby show in mm-hmm. a different world, which showed more structure and had kid brown, kid black and brown kids going to college on a, you know, getting careers, going to the mm-hmm. military. Mm-hmm. So, what are we putting out there for them to see? But also, are they too far gone that if we do put stuff out there that is conscience,
0: right. will
3: they yeah. come back and will they respond and watch it? Because they're so used to stuff with violence and everything. So,
0: do you think? That's rude. right. And I I don't think art is about art anymore. I think it's about numbers and what's going to bring those numbers up. I think there's a huge, whole new perspective on the business side of that that Mm and everyone's just all over. And I've heard Cardi B even say that as well. Like uh, the the kids love this. The kids love this. You know, they know their target and um, they know how to work with that. And it's not about like, you know, back in the day, I, I used to watch a lot of stuff back in the day and it's, it's. Parables. It used to mm-hmm. be parables. Now it's just mindless entertainment mm-hmm. and, t- and the times. And nothing against other people's art. I'm just saying, I think there is a transition there, and I think that what everyone is subjected to now is completely different. Like you were saying, from what you saw back then.
2: It's just, people are desensitizing. <laughs> yeah. it's, but right? like, like um, the violence that we see on TV. Listen, I I gotta tell you, I can tell you. Why in the world and how in the world you come up with that many episodes of zombie
1: movies. How do you, they said, Don't you have a TV series <laughs>
2: that's gone several seasons? <laughs> with, uh, how many things could you possibly come up with? And they did, right? But it all it all revolves around killing.
1: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. And
2: the ability to destroy, like I think it's, I think it's all about
5: Western civilization and Americanism mm-hmm. because I think that the, the toxic nature, especially toxic manhood, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that men have to grab the gun, we can't throw hands no more, right? right we right. can't talk it out. <laughs> <get> <laughs> you know, we got to right? get the gun. <laughs> right, right, and the right. kids. You know, are getting mixed messages from you. Got a Florida legislature that's sitting here debating whether or not we're gonna lower the age because Mm -hmm. Parkland kids say, we need to raise the age right. over 18 to 21. The open carry. They're just talking about the lowering the age again. Mm-hmm. And open, mm-hmm. open carry. These are the mixed messages, and the kids are saying, well, if the lawmakers are saying, right. we can carry guns, you know, and we can we open openly do. carry it. Right. I mean, how many times are we going to debate open carry? We debated that 20 years ago, right. 30 years ago, well, when the they decided, no, the we that's just too yeah. much <laughs> to have kids walking around USF, especially with open carry. And right. then,
3: first and foremost, they <laughs> talking about giving teachers. These kids are overpowering <laughs> teachers. Because right. I know when I subbed, you know, I started my business, it was kind of part time contracts weren't coming in. I was subbing and there was a kid out I, I was with a um he was retired football player And this boy had the nerve to push it. And what they don't realize football players are quick with their hands. Mm -hmm. He snatched him up quicker than I could blink, literally. (laughs) I don't even think I got a half a blink in. (laughs) And he had this boy pent up against the wall. Because, number one, I was like, you crazy. You touched him. (laughs) And then the kid, you know, and I was just like, imagine there. I've seen where kids have, like, overpowered. Because I even had to snatch a kid up one time. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, have you lost your mind? Yeah. And I had to catch myself because I was about to literally body slam this kid. Because and we all have I, been there. Tra-
2: if you taught, been in the school
3: since, and you, I was like, you, you and I, I scared myself because I caught myself in mid about to lift this kid up because I've been done martial arts for years, mm. so I can flip <laughs> a big, pretty big person. <laughs> and I had to catch myself, and I'm like, and you know, and. I was just like, the way the ministers, mm. how they coddled around this kid, I was like, had it been the reverse, I'd hit him. I'd be in handcuffs. Well, like right. and Derek, then,
7: said,
6: yeah, Derek said, you know, these kids, and through their music, you can tell, I mean, they're depressed. These kids right now, they do not have the coping skills. They don't have the social skills mm-hmm. because everyone's on this thing. Everyone's doing this, and they're communicating Phone. through this mm-hmm. electronic medium. They don't know how to tell somebody to their face, I don't like what you said. But I'm going to deal with it or I'm just not going to mess with you anymore. They're quick to just, all right, now i got to do something to you because of something you wrote online. Right. You know, and this, this the whole cyberbullying thing comes up. So before we say, yes, kids, get your hands on these guns, how about we teach the coping skills to deal with anger and deal with their emotions and deal with That's the generational so trauma that they're going through? Before we start looking
3: at anything else, I mean, it's just what I don't understand me, when you said cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. That's like you literally just wrote your crime. That yeah, it is, like you it just is. gave them evidence, and you know what what I mean? the police are pulling off of social media yeah. what these kids and adults I mean, are doing. doing. All
2: the whole crime. I mean, I let, let's let's go to the phone line. We only have a couple a couple minutes here. Okay. Uh, let's see let's see if we can if we can get this in. Okay, go up, caller. Go ahead. You're on the Sunday forum. Hey, good
7: morning, uh, Good
2: morning. Good morning.
7: Morning, morning. Yeah, I was uh, very interested in the subject, but I've been seeing stuff like uh, the stuff they've been having around here locally. They want to know why the kids, the uh, African American minorities, are getting weapons. You already hit on that, but the other thing was that um, they looking at other cultures. I mean, there's been ninety that I heard the other day. Ninety uh, uh, killings where the people come out in public and just randomly shoot everybody. And yeah. that's not being d- done by African-Americans. So nothing's been done about that. So how can you jump across that? Just, you know, ignore that and jump to another culture saying, y'all got violence. y'all. And what we're looking at, we're being taught that. The kids are being taught that. I'm not being taught it, but I'm seeing it. And they're looking like, oh, they can get away with it. Oh, they can do it when they get bad. Oh, that must be the standard. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all mm-hmm. can get on it all along, but what we have to do is it starts in the home and loving ourselves because I had it yesterday with some people uh, my kid and his old lady remember, they, they tried all that violence and I told them exactly what it was designed to do just like you said it's designed to destroy my family and then the other family I go about and pouncing on their chest like they really did something when they destroyed that family the kids and the people who think that they carried something out but that's what needs to be changed our mindset about why you hate somebody or why would you think